Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the... Tomahawk Nation Hoops Dedicated Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Minnick, joined as always by Michael Rogner. And, and we, have, it's a bit, we have big news. I mean, this is, this is truly one of those uh, groundbreaking news days in, in the sports world and, and in college basketball specifically. Uh, this, is, this is Wednesday, March 11th, around 6.30 Eastern. We're coming to you here. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, tomorrow on Thursday, you will surely heard it by then. But uh, the NCAA tournament announced that they will not have fans at any of their games. They are looking. This is, of course, all tied back to COVID nineteen or the coronavirus. Uh, they are looking into moving some of the venues from from the larger, you know, massive football stadium domes and playing them in smaller venues. They're undecided on whether or not families or media would still be allowed, but they're not going to allow fans, which, which obviously, you know, the sports don't exist without fans long-term. You can't, you know, that's, that's undeniable. Sports do not exist without the support from fans. So, you know, we'll talk about some of the ACC tournament action, but Michael, what, what's your, what's your take on, on this? Up until about three days ago, you know, I, n- I never really considered, you know, tournament NCAA tournament games or basketball games in general being played in front of no fans. And then, but by the time the announcement came out today, it seemed, you know, maybe a little bit inevitable. The you know state of Ohio kind of got this whole thing kickstarted, you know, having no fans at the first four. Uh, which shouldn't exist anyway, and then also no fans at the Cleveland um, re- regional. You know, city of San Francisco is 
I think they, they're not allowing events over a thousand people or something like that. So the NCAA is clearly trying to get out ahead of this thing. They are leaving a little bit of a open window. Um, you know, the, the end of their statement says that um, the, uh, they will continue to move forward with the current information and continue to monitor and make adjustments as needed. You know, I, I can, you can kind of read that both ways. One, the, the whole thing could end up getting canceled. You know, if, if uh, this thing truly does uh, take off or if, if uh, you know, the, the government response is, is a little heavy, heavier handed, then the whole thing could get canceled. But I, I think it also means that if, if it, kind of fizzles in the next week or so then that would open up the NCAA to to at least having the finals played in front of fans um for the players it it sucks um especially for the seniors you know this is your last chance to to play in the play in the tournament and you you have to do it with nobody in the fans in the stands uh, but the players are also you know, kind of used to that. They, you know, they're the one of the worst kept secrets in basketball is all these big time scrimmages that happen in the preseason. Um, you know, Villanova went and played North Carolina, and, and Florida State plays in these things, and every, everybody in the ACC plays in them. And you're, you're generally going to their arena and playing a full scrimmage um, in front of no fans. So, you know, for the players, they're they're not they're not. You know they don't do it all the time, but they're they've certainly done it before. It's it's weird. You know this will be televised. It's it's just a it's just a weird situation, and it's 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 a hard thing I think for the NCA to you know whatever decision they do do make they're they're going to get blasted, and part of that is because the NCA is a really crappy organization, and, and they kind of deserve to get blasted for a lot of their decisions. Um, but also there's just, there's so much uncertainty around this, around what's going on that, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to blame, I think the NCA for, for doing what they did. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm debating how much, sir, that I, I, you know, we even want to get into this on a, on a podcast that is, that is sports focused at least for the first 22 or three episodes uh sport primarily primarily sports focused I, there's a couple things you said that i certainly agree like so forget those secret scrimmages i mean a lot of these kids grew up playing in aau basketball where there's very little fans in those stands i mean there's there's these kind of grimy handlers and hustlers that are there and there's a few parents that have made the trip and scouts obviously but They've been doing, and then and then if you go down to those tournament, like those preseason tournaments, uh, you know, if you attend the the ones that are in a ballroom in Atlantis, or go to the Wide World of Sports in in Orlando or something, again, you're talking about games that are being played in front of maybe maybe 200 or 300 fans, or hell, just go to a Miami football game, right? I mean, go go to a Miami Hurricanes football game when you're playing in front of a couple thousand fans. So um, I don't, yeah, that from that standpoint, I don't know how much of an impact it makes. Certainly it's going to impact the environment and kind of the energy that these teams feed off of, but none of them were going to be home games anyways. So it, it, that's, that's different. The TV viewing experience is, is going to be weird. I don't think folks realize how much ambient noise comes in from the fans and the announcer that's kind of screaming over the fans and stuff. So the, the, the product on TV is, is I'm sure going, going to suffer. As far as the decision 
you know, I, I'll say this. You're right about the NCAA had their hands really tied when the governor of Ohio made that decision. I mean, they, they were going to have to play at least some of their games with no fans. And, of course, that starts to beg the question of, well, if you're doing that in Cleveland, why are you not – why are there fans in Tampa and all that? So the, the NCAA, as much as I loathe them, going back to my own experience with them when they were going to not even allow my dean's list credits to be transferred over you know, while I was running track and because apparently I wasn't going to have enough credits in my major or something, they were going to make me ineligible. So the NCAA is, is, has a long history of poor decisions. This one, I do agree, their hands were kind of tied. But the larger, the larger systemic, like what that says about our society and stuff, I, I don't know. I don't know, Michael. I, I got a feeling from some of our back and forth in the Slack, I'm probably in the minority. But, you know, a lot of this boils back to we simply, what's what you said, there's unknowns. We don't know. There are thousands of people who could already have contracted the disease in, in the United States. And and they had very mild or limited symptoms and, and they've already recovered from it. We really don't know a lot about this. The only, the only real information we have that's been kind of really, really grounded in hard facts is South Korea from all their testing. Seems like there's limited impact on people that are the player's age, like the, the, the 21, you know, they're almost not susceptible to it at all or, or ha- don't have any long-term effects from it. You know, coaches, coaches actually are some of the most vulnerable populations. So why, why are we allowing, you know, Coach Hamilton and Coach Krzyzewski and stuff to travel? And they're, they're, they're some of the most vulnerable populations. So it, it, the whole thing is just weird to me that the react, that in the country that's the home of the brave, land of the free, and the reaction is going to be that we don't know, we're way behind on our testing, and so we're just going to restrict uh, people from – making their own personal entertainment choices of what they do and how they spend their money. Uh, but I, I do get that. I feel like I'm in a minority of that decision. No, I, 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 you know, I don't think that you're in the minority. I think that, I think that there are ways to make that argument that would uh, maybe not quite sound as, as, as reasonable, but the people in power, and here I'm talking about the NCAA and talking about the basketball tournament, you know, their, their biggest fear is that something bad comes out of this and that they didn't do anything, you know, so that's, so they're make that's where they're making their decisions from, you know, and if the, you know, the, obviously the best case scenario is the whole thing fizzles out and then we can just kind of make fun of the NCAA. Uh, but we won't, we won't know that, you know, for a month probably. And, we also have to to realize that the the same people that are making this decision based out of uh, out of out of you know that sort of dread or fear are going to make the decisions on whether or not the you know the second week of the tournament even happens you know or the final even happens and you know i i, I don't want to play the poor me as a fan but for florida state fans it's like we're going to be a two seed this is a, this is the the best chance that florida state has to make a deep run in the tur- in the tournament and then you know this comes along and it's it's yeah the 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 timing for 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 florida state fans is bad you know the timing for you know the the whole thing it's just it's just a really yeah. bizarre situation yeah, I, I will make no bones about it. If, if 
if, if it ends up being, I mean, I'll be as a fan, as the, the person in me who's, who's, who attended games when Florida State went 9-21 and 21 in the 2001 season, when I'll be devastated, devastated not in the sense that, like, I won't be able to continue my life, but it'll be something I never forget that the year that Florida State had a, had a two-seed team and, you know, potentially a draw that gets them to, to a Final Four in Atlanta where, where they, they, it's not a very long way to travel. It's, it's in near for a lot of their fans to attend. And, and if they're not able to, to, go, to, to go through it, to even prove to themselves whether or not they were capable of making that run to the Final Four or, or winning the national championship, that, that'd be a hard thing to get over. I, so um, when I was younger, when, when I was growing up, I, I did gymnastics. And, and the first place I did gymnastics at was a, a place called Ron, uh, Ron Gallimore. He, he was a, you know, was in Tallahassee local place. And he, he was, so Ron Gallimore himself was um, a, a member of the, the person who owned the gym and ran the program. He was a member of, of Team USA Gymnastics when uh, the United States boycotted the Olympics uh, w- when we didn't go to Russia. And I think that was 1980 or maybe. And so um, he, I, I, I remember, like, I remember people asking him questions about that a decade later. To, and, and that, that is something that he, he never, I mean, he moved on with his life, but I don't think that that, that void was ever filled. I mean, a person who, who worked their entire life to qualify, like everything they've done athletically from whatever age they started to qualify and represent their country in the Olympics. And the decision was to just not go and not have it. And I know that was a political decision. Whereas this could, you know, this arguably is not a political decision depends on how far down the rabbit hole you want to go in terms of, um, you know, what, what would have happened if the United States was just doing testing a month ago. Um, But that is something that has long lasting impacts. And of course, not the same impact as death, but it's, it's, it would be hard to get over that. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Do you think there's a world, I mean, would it be completely out of the realm of possibility to, to play, to play the tournament in April or May? Is that something that's even should be on the table? You know, I, I, I would imagine that there are a team of lawyers at the NCAA right now pouring over their TV contracts and trying to figure out how they can uh, a make a shitload of money as they always do off of this tournament and b what their options are and you know I, I'm guessing that, that that's probably an option but then you get into all these NBA you know the 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 players have to be doing um, you know all of their pre-draft stuff and that would inter- interfere with that and so I don't know it 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 gets. It, well, it, NBA it gets, games might be canceled too, and the pre-draft stuff might be. Right. I think Eagles aren't going to some pro days, and I mean, who knows what else is going to be canceled between now and then? Yeah, they actually just uh, st- scrolled across the news right now that beginning tomorrow, the Big Ten will not have fans um, in their tournament. I mean, I would kind of expect the same thing for the ACC. Maybe, maybe have fans tomorrow, but then not for the rest of the tournament. All right, who knows? That probably favors um, Florida State, to be quite honest, given this one's in yeah. Greensboro. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I'm know. trying to, I'm trying to find, you know, kind of the, the silver lining in all this, and I really don't have anything. The the one thing I have thought of is that so families are are supposedly going to be allowed into the stands. Um, if you've ever been at like a high level AAU event and listened to the mothers of some of these players scream at the refs, they, it's they, pretty great. Yeah, so, they, they get so into it. That's get, for sure. 
Yeah, if we can have the the mics picking up what the moms are yelling during NCAA games at the refs, you know, that so they're sort of yelling for all of us. XFL uh, style, kind of have the mics right over there in the huddles and stuff. <laughs> right, exactly. I, yeah. So good, that that would be moms. nice. Yeah, that would be nice. I just I don't I, I still come back to like okay, so if families can go, the the population that is clearly the most at risk for this disease is elder is over the age of 60 or so, clearly the, the, the population that is being impacted. So what do you tell, do you tell players like your brothers and nephews and, and stuff, if they're under 50, they can come, but your grandfather can't come. I mean, is that, is that how they, because, because otherwise what's the point? Like if the whole point is to produce is reduce the risk then, and then you have a whole bunch of grandparents in the stands, that doesn't seem to make any sense. Yeah, I mean, well, the, I'm, I'm sure the risk is is a lot lower from having 20 people in the stands rather than well, you know, 20, 20, 20 times. I mean, what? There's 15 kids on each team and families, and then there's going to be media there and fam- cheerleaders and their family, and I mean, we're talking well, probably the, a thousand. The, yeah, the NCAA is not going to cancel these games if they don't have to. I mean, they're the the well, money they that the money. they're right. The money that they're getting from the TV contract is. Uh, you know, something like 90% of their budget for the, for, for the year. Um, so if there's any way for them to play these games and have them on TV, uh, they're going to be basing their decisions, uh, you know, you know, on that. So uh, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a, a bunch of rabbit holes we could go down to uh, down in terms of, well, this makes sense, but why does it this? And you know, all those other things, but it basically it comes down to the NCAA being able to make money on, on televised broadcasts. And that's gonna, that's gonna be the filter through which their decisions go. That is one thing that I agree with you, sir. The, it'll come back down to money. And, and you're right. The NCAA essentially funds its entire operation off of the NCAA tournament. And, and by that, I mean the men's NCAA tournament. So um, those, those games are going I, – I don't know. You're right about that. These games will probably be played un, unless the country has, has you know, had a, a, a direct order from the president that, that we cannot play basketball games. Uh, all right. Speaking of games that were played, um, we let's let's shift gears and we'll talk a little. Tell you what, we'll take a really quick break. I'm gonna go put on some, uh, use some hand sanitizer, and and go make sure I stock up on all the tissue paper. And we will uh, we'll come back and talk about the ACC tournament. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. So there have been games, believe it or not, games were played today, and those games even had fans at them. Uh, and so let's see, today was uh, well, Wednesday, so it was Clemson, Miami, uh, and an NC State pit. Let's start with Clemson and Miami, since that was this is the opponent that is Florida State is going to play next. And, and Clemson was able to come out of there with, I think, a five-point victory. Uh, you know, neither team was that consistent in the in the regular season I think the game maybe played out like you would expect uh, were you hoping that Clemson won I mean do, is this good bad and different result to you 
I would prefer to play Miami. I think I think we're just a better matchup with, with Miami. I think that we, you know, the odds of us winning by a game by like twenty and resting our starters is is pretty significant against Miami. I think Clemson will give us a little tougher challenge. Uh, if you watched the game, the first half was. Uh, unwatchable. It was twenty-three to twenty-one. I think Clemson went like ten minutes and while only scoring one bucket. Uh, at one point, Miami had more air balls than than points, and that was oh, that's a, a, good a pretty significant, uh, uh, you know, time advanced into the first half, and they, you know, they still had more air balls than points. Second half was actually entertaining. Chris likes like was good. Chris likes, uh, so that that was kind of fun to see. And Clemson, it was pretty much the same thing as the Florida State game. It was uh, Amir Sims and John Newman really taking over. Uh, Alamir Dolls, or sorry, Alamir Dolls and John Newman um, really taking over. Amir Sims also had a good game, which he did not against Florida State. But uh, the two guys that are concerning on Clemson uh, in terms of, uh, you know, we've talked about how you have to win one-on-one battles against Florida State. That's John Newman and, and Alamir Dolls. And, and they both had solid games. Uh, Newman did play 36 minutes. Um, Alamir Dolls played 32, and Amir Sims played 37. So if if you're looking for Florida State to be able to kind of wear a team down in the second half, uh, the the three key players for Clemson all played pretty extended minutes. Uh, so that was that was good news. I was I was praying that whoever did win, you know, did not win by a blowout. So they weren't able to rest anybody. And that's pretty much what happened. Um, Clemson almost pulled one sort of an epic choke job there at the end, but they, they somehow got it done when Miami started missing free throws. So. Yeah. So I guess you kind of read, read my talk points there is, is um, do we, do we think that, so Florida state beat Clemson by I think almost 20 at home, you know, in Tallahassee, Florida State lost to Clemson, as we know, very recently on a, on a lat. They took the lead there with about six seconds to go on a Trent Forrest bucket, gave up an end-to-end layup uh, there with a buzzer, and lost by one up in, in Little John. Do we think that on a neutral court, although, you know, who knows about the fans, but on a, on a neutral court, neutral setting with sight lines and whatnot, um, is this going to – are we going to see – you know, I think Florida State should be favored. They're probably by what seven or so points. Uh, do are we going to be able to contain Dawes and and Newman enough to to come away with a victory? And and will they be able to hit those when when it gets to the ten minute mark of the second half? What happens with tired legs? Is that is that going to be enough to kind of give Florida State what it needs to advance? I would think they're going to have some tired legs. And I, I also, if you remember that second game, that was the one where Clarence Armstrong whistled Florida State for five charges and a couple of them were end ones, and all five were bad calls. Uh, we should be a little alarmed that Clarence Armstrong has been assigned to the ACC tournament. We don't I know if he's been assigned. I watched him do the NC State pit game uh, just a bit <laughs> <Yeah>. ago. <laughs> so let's hope he's not assigned to our game tomorrow. Uh, I, I'm really not looking forward to a repeat of a ton of offensive fouls on Florida State. Um, if 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 we get a uh, if if we get a crew that kind of lets the teams play, then I think that you know Florida State will win by double digits. If we get a, if unless Clemson does something crazy from three, um, 
you know, and, and if we get a crew that is, is super ticky tacky again, and, and Clarence Armstrong is whistling a bunch of offensive fouls, then it could, it could be a closer game, you know, Clemson again, you know, they take a ton of threes, but they're not a good shooting team. It's, it's really poorly designed offense by Brad Brennell. Uh, and, they they also you know they they don't really get offensive rebounds they rarely go to the line you know this is this is a team that just loves to shoot the ball and and if and if we can disrupt them a little bit like we did in that first game i think we turned them over on almost 30% of their possessions then you know it'll be another double digit game like that first one yeah and they also don't play that well outside of little john you talk about they don't shoot that well i that gets worse when they get uh when they get to environments in which they're not you know used to playing in so I, I do think I'm with you. I think that if Florida state even plays it's let's say B minus game and is able to hit some outside shot, like Florida state does need to hit shots. Just offenses break down if, if you're not making shots. So I think that if Florida state can even hit, you know, five or six threes and get, you know, only turn it over, let's say 17 or 18% of their possessions while turning Clemson over 22 to 23% of theirs and, and not, and so, so that includes charges, right? Like what, what, whatever kind of turnovers they are, just, you know, we, we don't, we keep that number under, let's say 19 for us percent um, of turnovers. Yeah. I would expect Florida state to, to walk away with a victory and, and move into the semifinals for the second consecutive year. Uh, does that, uh, so then looking towards the semifinals, NC state had a pretty easy win over Pittsburgh today. It was in double digits for most of the second half. Uh, the the game kind of turned when Clarence Armstrong, the the aforementioned Armstrong, called a a flagrant foul on uh, I, I think it was uh, it was either McGowan's or yeah, I, I'll be honest I can't quite remember who it was but he called a flagrant foul on Pitt for driving and he sort of like tried to swim move past and caught an NC State player in the face and and that really turned the game that was early in the second half. So uh, NC State moves on to play Duke, a Duke team that they just annihilated in Raleigh a couple weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, and, and then played a good half against in Durham and, and then fell apart in the second half. Are, is, is there, we see a possibility here of NC State upsetting Duke again. Well, I was happy to see NC State move on because they they do have a chance of beating Duke. Pitt has no chance of beating Duke. And we want to to play the easiest opponent that we can in order to move on to the to the ACC finals if we if we do advance to the semis. And so we certainly want to be playing NC State and, and, and instead of instead of Duke. You know, Duke is gonna be a big favorite in that game. They'll probably be a ten point favorite or something. So the odds the odds are not great for for the for the Wolfpack. But, you know, like you said, they, they did, you know, they pulled off a 20, 20 point win, you know, in, in, uh, you know, in the middle of February. And so they, they've certainly proved that they can do it. They've got some dudes on that team. I mean, CJ Bryce is, is a hell of a player and DJ Funderburk and, you know, a couple of the other guys can make maybe Braxton Beverly can, can rain a bunch of threes. And, you know, they're, they're a dangerous team. They're not a, they're not a great team. They're, they're probably, uh, you know, right on the bubble, which, which again, could work to their advantage. They're, they may have gotten into the tournament with a win over Pitt, but a win over Pitt is not really the most impressive thing on your resume. But a win over Duke, and they're an absolute lock for the NCAA tournament, whereas Duke is, you know, they don't really have all that much to play for. They're going to be a two or three seed regardless. Um, so, you know, we, we shall see. But I, I like the matchup a lot better than I would like Duke versus Pitt, that's for sure. 
I agree. And I think the biggest thing you see, they're a desperate team. I, you know, they avoided the bad loss today against Pitt, which is probably the best thing that they did. They, well, the two, the two best things they did was avoid a bad loss and not have to expend a whole lot of energy doing it. So they, uh, they, yeah, they're, they're a desperate team. They're a fairly talented team. I think they had good Markel Johnson today. We'll see if good Markel Johnson shows up tomorrow, but he does play fairly well against Duke historically. And, and even if NC State pushes Duke, even if that's an overtime loss or a, or, you know, a really close game, A, I think that works in their favor for the committee, and B, I think um, – let me, let me see. Let me see. So Johnson's, uh, Markel Johnson's stats here against Duke historically. So he had 11 assists, by the way, today against Pittsburgh. Uh, this is Markel Johnson we're speaking about. He had, he had seven assists against uh, Duke in the loss in March, although it did again have six turnovers. But, but seven assists, uh, a couple blocks there, got to the free throw line. Then in the win in February against Duke, he had uh, four assists, only one turnover, and he went bonkers from three, right? Five of six from three. So he was actually the Ken Palm MVP in that game. And last year against Duke, he had 10 assists uh, to just three turnovers in, in what was a loss, but he, he clearly played well. So, you know, we're talking about a guy who historically does play well against Duke. And even if, uh, I, think, I think where I was going there, Michael, is that even if uh, NC State's not able to win, you know, for their own resume and for the for the tired legs of Duke with with playing Florida State the next game, I think there could there could be an impact. You know, as a side note here on these bubble teams, I mean, how much how much now is the committee even going to take into consideration what happens in the conference tournaments? I, like, for instance, Florida State win, lose, or anything else, I, I kind of feel like at this point there's so much other stuff going on in the world is Florida State kind of locked into a two seed? You know, is Duke locked into its kind of two, three line? Is, is NC, if NC State made it in today, are they just sort of in? You know, does that, I mean, because I feel like there's just so much else on the plate right now. Yeah, I remember when, when uh, Florida State won the ACC tournament in 2012, and then they ended up with a three seed, which was, you know, significantly higher than most people thought. People thought it was going to be a four or five. So, uh, you know, there's this this myth going around that the that the, tournament committee does not pay attention to uh, you know conference tournaments but if you look at Florida State's history that is clearly not the case but this year you know that's it's probably will be the case because they got a lot of other stuff to think about you know there, there's there's uh, games that are that are happening you know in front of in front of no fans and, and you know tournaments that are canceled and and um, you know my, my hunch will be that there's just not going to put that much you know emphasis on, on a tournament like this you know florida state had the hope of winning it all and becoming a one seed i you know i just don't really see that happening maybe maybe if, if dayton takes a bad loss in the opening round of their tournament or something but I, I i don't really see that being the case and if florida state loses then you know what do losses really matter when nobody's watching so so you know losing to a team like clemson is that really going to drop them down to the three line it's, it's kind of you know it's kind of doubtful i suppose if if you know, everybody behind us, you know, won their tournament, you know, they might, they might bump us to a three, but seems highly unlikely that a loss is going to bump Florida State to a three or that a, a string of wins is going to bump Florida State to a one. I, I 100% agree. I, I, I don't want to venture. I, 
I don't want to say these games are meaningless because I'd still love to fans or not. I'd love to say that they, you know, that they were the ACC regular season and tournament champs, but um, yeah, I, you know, unless you told me that Duke played Louisville in the final and won uh, in a close game and then Seton Hall won the big East and, and Maryland won the, the big 10 and maybe Kentucky wins the sec uh, I, I just don't, even Florida State losing tomorrow to Clemson. I don't. I just don't see. I, we're probably the, you know, highest or second highest two seed right now. I, and to, for us to fall out all the way down to the three line would be pretty surprising based on one loss against a top eighty team in in the on a neutral court in front of maybe no fans. Uh, but so, in, at any rate, side, side note, um, you know, aside. I, I do think North Carolina State can give can give Duke some some issues. I think at the very least they can push them down on the other end of the bracket tonight. Uh, folks will be, I think, really interested to see if if UNC can can win a second game in a row and beat Syracuse. Uh, Jim Beheim has traditionally struggled in this ACC tournament. Syracuse is not uh, you know all that good of a of a team in terms of stopping offensive rebounds, and and that's one thing that North Carolina does really well. North Carolina uh, seems to be uh, playing playing better now than they were maybe three or four weeks ago. So do you, do you think UNC maybe can make a little run here, Michael? I would be surprised if they, if they did. I mean, they, they can beat Syracuse, but the rubber kind of meets the road when they, when they hit Louisville. Yeah. It would be – I would love to see them in the finals. You know, Florida, Florida State, Ooh. UNC final, again, would, would be pretty awesome. Um, I would love to. I'd, I'd really love to see Boston College in, in the in the finals. That's 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 obviously not going to happen. But yeah, I'm re- I'm rooting for upsets on the on the other side of the the bracket. The only upset I wouldn't be rooting for is if it's Virginia against against Louisville. Um, I think I'd rather actually see Virginia win that game and and have Florida State face Virginia instead of instead of Louisville. But up up until that, yeah, okay, we want chaos on the other side. And if North Carolina wants to make a deep run, then go for it. So I'm going to ask you a, a question here that we, we obviously these this is projecting projecting outcomes that we don't know yet. But will Florida State make the ACC championship game for the second year in a row? Let me is that, that make your prediction on that right now? I think they I think that they will. I think that we're, we're gonna we're gonna beat Clemson pretty handily, and then whether whether or not we get get Duke or NC State, then we'll we'll kind of take care of business there. So I, I do think that Florida State will be playing um, for the second year in a row for the ACC title, and obviously I hope it ends a little differently this year. You know what? Put me down with you there, buddy. Put All me right. down with you. I I think that. Ironically enough, as much as I'm upset about the no fans things in the NCAA tournament, it definitely changes what what is going to be. If they were to go that route in the ACC, that would definitely change the atmosphere in, in a location that's Greensboro, typically dominated by by UNC and Duke fans. And and frankly, I, I really felt that Florida State played pretty poorly in Durham and and still had a, a good chance to win the game. So. I, I do think that Florida State wins tomorrow. I think that they beat the winner of NC State Duke. And, and I'll go ahead and say that they are playing Virginia in the final. I, I, I don't know. You know, three games in three days is hard for anybody. I don't care how much depth you have. Three games in three days is tough. So I don't know how much. Maybe we'll do a podcast before. If that is the case, we'll do a podcast. But I, I think it's going to be Florida State facing Virginia in the final. Uh, 
before we we close out here were there any other i i've been kind of watching these other these other tournaments you know i watched watched gonzaga uh, gonzaga dismantles st mary's and, and you know eastern tennessee state clinched a bid north dakota state was the favorite and they clinched a bid i i haven't really noticed any kind of major upsets is that accurate michael yeah champ championship week kind of kind of fizzled we had we had a good start with a lot of upsets but then the the one or two seeds ended 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 up winning most of them. The good thing about championship week is that it's actually two weeks, so we still got a bunch of small conferences that are just now kicking off their tournament. Um, you know, today or or maybe yesterday. So there's there's plenty to root for. We want as many upsets as we can get because we want a really weak 15 seed. Um, there just haven't there just haven't been you know a, a ton of them yet. Yeah, and, I, and I'm thinking too, going back to what we talked about right off the top, I'm guessing the committee is going to stick to locations where teams don't have to travel all that far, given given the concerns around travel. So, I, you know, I would, if if there's a pool of seven or eight 15 seeds, I'd imagine that Florida State's uh, opponent is going to come from someone that is, you know, somewhere in the southeast, as opposed to having to come all the way across the country. Uh, from from Washington or or Maine or something like that. So I that's just a hunch of mine. They haven't announced anything like that. But I, I definitely I would I would say even more the conferences like the A Sun and the Sun Belt and uh, what what con- conferences is Winthrop in? The, is that the Big South? Um, you know those conferences are probably going to be where where your 15 or so seed comes from. My guess would be uh, if if you're for Florida State's opponent. All right. Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say Winthrop is Big South. They, I'm, I'm hoping they're a little too good for for a 15 seed. I would not be excited about playing them. I think you mentioned um, Arkansas Little Rock a couple a couple pods ago, and I, I would think that if they make it through their tournament, then it's it's not a lock, but it's pretty close to it that it's going to be Florida State against Little Rock um, in in Tampa with no fans. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe we can get Little Rock upset and Winthrop upset. So both the Big South and the A Sun or the Sun Belt send a weaker team. That then the committee is kind of like, well, we'll just send them on down to Tampa. So maybe that'll, maybe that'll work out in Florida State's favor there. I'm not sure who who I'll be honest and say I don't know the other teams uh, in the Big South, but um, someone could perhaps pull that upset over Winthrop. Uh, yeah, we should we should point out that Winthrop already won their tournament, so oh, the odds of even better. Than, are, that, are like rough. I said, I haven't been paying attention. So, but I know the the Sun Belt still plays, right? Yeah, and the, and the Sun Belt is one of these conferences that totally rigs it for their big teams, so they only have to play twice to to win it. They don't they don't they don't have to mess around with like that's like the West Coast but, Conference, right? Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Gonzaga's played in twenty three consecutive finals or something like that but they only have to beat one one, one team. team and it's usually somebody like portland or, or yeah you know, pacific or something yeah. that they have to beat to get into the final and the, the sun belt is kind of rigged the same way okay well folks winthrop's already already clinched so go ahead and uh, mark that one down let's hope they're a 14 seed maybe they can maybe the pod down in tampa will have a, a, a three seed or a four seed and winthrop can be a 14 or a 13 uh but maybe maybe look for that little rock or someone to upset little rock coming out of the Sun Belt. Uh, we, so I don't know that we're going to, given how the games are staggered back to back to back, I don't know that we're going to have a podcast coming out after the Clemson game and, and you know, on the quick turnaround there before, if, if Florida State is able to win. Uh, if we lose, of course, we can, you know, have, have a 
pod discussing that and, and what the ramifications, if any, are. But we will definitely, you know, should should these predictions of ours hold and Florida State makes it to a to a championship game, we'll definitely try to, um, you know, get, get something up, you know, maybe a big preview or something for that, whoever the opponent might be a few days from now. Uh, from uh, from Tallahassee, I'm, I'm Matt Minnick signing off for Michael Rogner.